Hello and welcome to Honest Theology, a podcast where we ask real questions about a real faith and a real God. Today we're finishing up our series on the Bible with our final section on how do I follow it. That's the way discipleship should be in my opinion. How do we do that? <laughs> it's not just what you read, it's actually the power of God working on the inside of you too. I'm Paul Serstad with Dr. Hugh Osgood. Let's be honest. Now what? So I've, I've read the Bible or I've read some of it. Um, now what do I do? Okay, well, you're reading the Bible for a number of different reasons. I mean, you want to get to know God. That's one of the reasons why you're reading the Bible. You want to get to know his heart, the way that he thinks, the way that he's revealed himself. And of course, you can find that as you track through the scriptures. Even in the Old Testament scriptures, that's getting ready for the coming of Christ. So read it with that expectation that this is telling me about what Jesus is going to come and do. So setting everything ready for him to come when you're reading the Old Testament. When you get into the New Testament, you're basically in the territory where Jesus has come and he's living his life amongst us, showing what the life of God looks like, his power, his grace. You can see that in the miracles, but you also see it in his teaching. So you've got all of that section. And then you get the book of Acts, which is really setting out what the church has done and what we can do in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you come to the letters. And it's in the letters, really, where you're going to find, in the midst of some of the historical stuff that Paul puts in, the encouragement and everything else, you're going to find some very specific instructions as to how to live the Christian life. So there's quite a range of things that you need to find in the scripture, but definitely putting it into practice, it's about getting to know God, getting to know the way that God wants us to live, and then actually putting some of those things into practice. Okay, so I mean, I had a conversation with one guy once who was talking about how he um, got saved, but he said one of the one of the unhelpful things that happened was, you know, he came, he, he responded at, um, at an altar call, and then the pastor told him to go and read his Bible. And just told him like that. Not so saying... he came back in a month and said, I've read it. Yeah. Back cover to cover. It's wow. like, now what? Oh, read it again. So he came back two weeks later, having read the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Now what? I know. Um, so I, know I, I like to read my whole Bible through every yeah. year. I, I, I pace myself, I read it, I like to take it in. I know some folk like to read it cover to cover as quickly as possible. <laughs> But I actually think there's value in reading it a little bit more specifically. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not always sure that I would start saying someone who's just become a Christian, just go and read it cover to cover. I think you need a lot of encouragement to understand how it fits together. As we said before, it's a library, it's yeah. not just a book. And so, you know, I'd encourage people. Sometimes we say, let's start with John's Gospel, sometimes Mark's Gospel. I actually found it quite helpful, really, to encourage some people to start with John's first letter, where he's talking okay. about the kind of relationship you have with God and what that ought to be working out in practice so it, that several times you've got some sort of feel for it so when it comes to someone new to 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 christianity would you recommend the new testament yeah i would i would I, but i'm quite happy with anyone reading anything as long as you've given them some kind of sense of how it fits into the big scheme of what god's doing and you can find that just by reading the bible but i do think sometimes just kicking off and saying jump in the deep end and see if you can swim is a little bit challenging for people. Some folk do it, you know. Yeah. But the important thing is that it, the Bible is not just inspired by the Holy Spirit, it's also illuminated by the Holy Spirit. So mm. it's like God is shining his light on your word as you read it. And there are some amazing stories of how people have done just that, read the Bible cover to cover, and picked up huge amounts just because the Holy Spirit has just guided them through. 
um, that which yeah, he's already inspired. I heard that you, ne you never read the Bible alone. You're always reading yeah, it with the Holy really Spirit. Yeah, that's really good way of putting it, yeah. Um, okay, so you just talk, you talked about um, when you read the Bible, it's getting to know God um, and then following the instruction of it. Yeah. Then would you say... Because if, you, if, you, if we're saying, yeah, to f follow the instruction of the Bible and someone just comes in and jumps into Leviticus, suddenly he's got a load of instructions oh, and just goes for it. Yeah. Is the Old Testament more about knowing, getting to know God, getting to know the, 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 the yeah, triune God, and then the instruction more is in the New yeah, Testament? Yeah, I think that's helpful. I think it's interesting to say that, in fact, yes, the Old Testament is about getting to know God, but it's preparatory. It's setting the pattern for how God chooses to reveal himself in his son. And so in the Old Testament, Hebrews sums up a lot, actually, about the Old Testament. It's a great New Testament book to read yeah. in order to get some understanding about what the whole of the Old Testament is about. And it talks about, in the past, God spoken to us through the prophets. Now he's speaking to us through his son. So there's that very definite shift. So, yeah, you can actually get a whole lot just by starting with the New Testament and then going back to see the background for it. But in terms of instruction, we should really look... Instruction, yeah, you look at the instruction there. But actually, someone said something to me that I found really quite helpful. They said, sometimes you need to think of the Bible as a test book rather than as a textbook, because the life that we live is something that we're living in the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's actually knowing the power of the Holy Spirit and then expecting that outworking of the Holy Spirit to be seen in our lives. So when you read the things that are there, like the fruit of the Spirit, that fruit of the Spirit should be being produced in your life by the work of the Holy Spirit. And you're looking there to see actually what is being expressed. So it's the two things going hand in hand. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and then the outworking of it as you can see it set out in Scripture. So, yeah, it is a textbook in the sense, live like this, live like that, live like the other. But it's also relying on the fact that the Holy Spirit's already at work in you. Otherwise, you know, you just take a book and you try and live by the Bible. You're not going to succeed. It's got to be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. I remember hearing a quiz program once where someone was boasting because they'd noticed in the scripture this phrase, he did this to fulfill that which was written of him. Mm. And, and this person on this quiz show is just saying, well, anyone could do that, couldn't they? You know, it was a panel thing, really. Anyone can do that. They can just read what's written in the book and then go and do it. And one of the other panelists just said, I mm, think you might have a little bit of a problem with the crucifixion and resurrection. It was just, just a nice <laughs> yeah, way of yeah, just yeah. putting it into context. So it's not just what you read, it's actually the power of God working on the inside of you too. So we've been looking a lot at the, the practical next step of, of reading the Bible, but then there's, there's a really big bit of the Bible that is coming under another's authority, um, being discipled by, by someone. But some people say all that they need is the Bible. They don't actually need any discipleship or they don't need any um, authority of any sort above them because the word of God has it and is it and that's it. Um, is that right? Is that an error? What, what would you say? Um, 
Well, the first thing I'd have to say is that the Bible is quite clear in itself. It states that no scripture is there for private interpretation. Mm. So in other words, it's not just about I'd like this to believe this and I'd like that to believe the other. And there's a sense in which I sometimes say to people, you know, when they come up, say, I've got this exciting revelation, you know, I sometimes say, well, do you think the Holy Spirit's been keeping secrets for centuries just to reveal yeah. it to you? And it just brings it back, at, you know, reality check in there, because obviously there is a sense in which God has written his word so that it can be understood by all. And therefore, when others understand it the same way as you do, you're probably getting closer to what the reality is in the situation. But I do think that this whole question of um, just where you go with scripture, how you read it, and reading it in the context of relationship with others is really, really important because it just takes you away from that sense of private interpretation. I have my own little world with my own little way of interpreting everything. But it's also quite easy to find a select group of people that agree with everything you say as well. Yeah, it is. Um, but then I, I don't want to live my life like that anyway, just around a bunch no, of yes people. But I know but a some lot of people, people that's do. really important for them. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I think it's really important. I mean, one of the things that's really important about Scripture is no matter how you approach it, to allow the Scriptures to speak back to you. So you don't just go in saying, this is what I want it to believe, so that's what I'm going to believe it says, but you allow yourself to be changed changed by the word they're saying. I'm constantly challenged by scripture. I find mm. things in there that just really amaze me. Sometimes they're confirmatory from something else I've seen elsewhere. And I think, wow, that's mentioned in that passage too. And it's building up that picture that, that somehow the whole of the Bible incredibly is consistent within itself. So, you know, you need to compare scripture with scripture. You need to understand how it fits together. And, and all of that comes very much in the context of being able to share and learn from other people as well. So what is the role then of someone who is discipling you? Uh, yeah, it is good to have someone who can disciple you, but I also think that there's a whole lot that can happen just by learning together. I guess the discipling thing is someone who's been around a little bit longer, who's gained some insight into it and probably gained that from someone who discipled them. But there's, there's just this whole principle of being able to come to the Word and, and study it together with other people and, and not necessarily to have someone there as a guru that's saying, this is what you're meant to read into this or this is what you're meant to go down to Isn't that, that how churches to... are structured? Uh, hopefully not. But, I mean, I know, but essentially it is because well, you have a pastor on stage literally saying, this is how you should interpret this, this is how you should yeah, interpret that. Yeah, but I mean, I'd be really sad if he's just not submitting himself into some kind of, I don't know, willingness to learn more himself. Now, some of that can be done by reading. You've got commentaries, you've got other things. But, you know, just to, just to come and say, this is my interpretation, and you're not open to other people, I, I, I don't think that's wise. Yeah, no, not at all. But I, I'm not suggesting that pastors aren't being pastored as well but i am looking at that whole discipleship line now come on look if, if, if i was preaching in a sermon yeah and you were weighing what i was saying i wouldn't have any problem with that yeah i wouldn't have a difficulty with you thinking well do i agree with them on that do i not agree with them on that uh it's you know you're not meant to be standing there sort of five foot above contradiction no 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 i'm not but i'm talking about who like who do we submit to because there, there, there is a clear because even in the Great Commission, it is make disciples. And if well, we even follow Jesus's pattern of Okay, well, if you go to Hebrews on this one, which yeah. is a good place to go, it actually talks about 
respecting those who've got authority over you and following their faith. So in other words, you're looking for people who you can see have got something of quality in their life so that you're following their faith. So that's, that's a safeguard to me. And also the fact yeah. that the Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah, so in yeah. other words, he's basically saying, that if I stop following Christ, I don't expect you to follow me. So that's always got to be there as a safeguard in our thinking that, yes, we do want to learn from people. We do really appreciate other people's ministry enormously. I, I, some people I just get so, so much out of. And yet I know that at the same time, the reason I'm getting so much out yeah. of it is because I'm prepared to, to be inspired but i'm also prepared to be made to think yeah and to consider things and to go back to the scriptures and i think that's it as long the whole follow me as i follow christ is the because i for, for me i see discipleship as a very real thing that we kind of should we, we should follow um you know who's discipling you who are you discipling um and not in a not necessarily in a like this is me i am you <laughs> but like yeah who do you see that is following christ and follow them but I think there's, the moment that starts to, they stop following Christ and they start just liking their flock. That's how yeah. we get those um, uh, cults and yes. yeah, organizations yeah. that have, well, you get sects of supposed Christianity that look as if they've gone exactly that route. Yeah, that's true. Which we kind of then get into a sort of tradition versus scripture. Mm. Um, not necessarily bad tradition, but some are bad. Some are now we call cults. Um, so would you would you say that then the scripture will always trump tradition? <laughs> should do. Should it should do. do. Um, but isn't it sad that Jesus had to say to people in his own day, your traditions have made the word of God of no effect? Yeah. Just because they put traditions over scripture. So I like the challenge of that statement. So we've read the Bible, we get the Bible, or at least some of it. We're starting our, you know, walk of faith, our, our race of faith. Um, and in all the great commissions, it is be my witness or teach others or make disciples. It is very much the great commission to, to spread the word or to teach what I've commanded you and all that. How do we do that? Huh. Okay, well, there's two things, really. Um, yes, we are to go and make disciples of all nations. So we go out there, we preach the word and everything else. There's also the sense when it's talking about being a witness. Mm -hmm. um, it says, and you shall be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So there's a sense in which our lives become a testimony because of the power of God and the way he lights up our lives. So it needs to be those two things. I know some people had this thing a while back, you know, uh, Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Um, oh, yeah. But actually, it is necessary to use words. Yeah. There is a sense in which that's how God chose it to be communicated. So we have to respect that, and we have to use words in order to communicate. But if we're only using words, and there's not the power of God and the life of God evident in there, it's not going to be really effective. I think it should be, you know, preach the gospel and use words. Yes, it's, yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah, that's a better way of putting yeah, yeah. it, isn't it? That's not the way they say it. No, 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 it's not. It's not. Um, so when it so there's a difference you're saying between being a witness and teaching 
Yeah, they have to go together. I yeah. mean, if you're just teaching and there's not something in your life that's also speaking, there's that, that phrase that comes up in, in popular culture sometimes where I cannot hear what you say because what you are is speaking too loudly. Oh, I've not heard that's that. quite heavy. But that's great. It is good. Oh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. write that out for me. I'm going to use that. <laughs> Um, okay, so when it comes to Just be careful who you say it to, yeah, and don't blame me for having said it yeah. the first. Uh, he told me so. <laughs> when it comes to teaching, can anyone do that? Yeah, sure, but you do it according to the measure of the faith that you have uh -huh. and the measure of understanding that you have. I think sometimes you know it. it when you begin, you, there are things that you really know from God, and it, you must share them because even though it might seem like a crumb to someone who's sitting having a banquet. To someone who's got nothing, even a crumb seems like a banquet. Yeah. So whatever you've got, whatever you've grasped, even if it's just a little thing that you understand, think this is really speaking into my life, then, then be prepared to share it with someone because mm. that makes a difference. And sometimes it's those little crumbs that you glean when you're a young Christian and you share that and you're so excited about it because you've just seen it for the first time that that really makes an impact. So when we're talking about teaching, it's not a case of, you know, you have to understand the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and everything before you can open your mouth. And you can be, you know, you can be humble enough in your teaching to say, I don't get that bit yet, but hey, it could mean this, couldn't it? And, and you offer things without that authoritarian way. Mm. And, and I think in the Bible, when it talks about Jesus taught with authority, not as the scribes and Pharisees, he didn't teach in a sort of authoritarian way, you know, kind of, you've got to listen to me or else. But there was just something that was compelling about the way that he was talking. She realized there was integrity in it and there was reality in it. And it was authentic. All of those things really matter. Yeah, I think that's where real authority yeah, it must be Sits, in that. Rather than, cause it, it's Fake authority. It looks like a try-hard, right? Like, yeah. Do as I say, or yeah. else I'll do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just chill out. If you've really got it, you don't have to force it. Yeah, yeah. I think, and I think there's been a lot of public um, failures on that side of thinking like, you know, senior people in the church have had all the answers and then obviously well it can work both ways can't it i mean there are senior people in the church who sometimes like to give the impression that they have all the answers yeah exactly but then we also suffer from the fact that there are plenty of people out there who want to put us on pedestals you know and i seem to spend my life preferring to jump off pedestals kick down pedestals just get off those things <laughs> as quickly as possible they don't help anybody not steady <laughs> yeah yeah um so there's they say be a witness it says, teach others yeah. and make disciples. Yeah. Is make disciples the same as teaching others? I think it's a combination, isn't it, of, of being a witness so that people can actually see how you live. Teaching is really important, but there's a way of learning, isn't there, which you can learn so much from hearing someone. Mm. You can learn a lot more from seeing someone doing it and demonstrating it. But when you really learn, it's when you're putting it into practice yourself. Mm. So making disciples is being prepared to come alongside people in their own efforts and all the rest of it. All right, they're doing it in the power of the Spirit, but they're, they're learning and you're guiding mm. rather than doing it all for them. So I think there is that difference there. And making disciples, it's about making, and making is such a big word to me. It's, it's process. I've had people who've said to me, are you going to make me this or are you going to make me that? And, and what they're thinking is, are you going to appoint me as this or appoint yeah, me as that? And they take out all the shaping, all the molding, all the benefit that you could really bring into their lives if we were allowed for process. 
So I do think making disciples is process. Look how Jesus made disciples. Yeah, he was three years. Three years. And, and, and it means follower, doesn't it? Yeah, it does in a sense. Well, to be brought under discipline, it's that kind of route. Okay, but the discipline right. is not the heavy discipline. It's, it's the walking it's with. relational. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that the interesting thing is that when you're looking at Jesus, I, you know, I, I sometimes say that, that you know, anyone can learn something from a really good teacher. Um, and, you know, a really bright person can learn something from a not-so-great teacher. But when you're looking at Jesus, he's not just a good teacher, he is the absolute best teacher. And he sp still spent three years teaching them. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a case that he should have got this by now. Yeah. It just over and over and over again and living it out in front of them. And he gave them time to make mistakes. Yes, and steering them in it yeah. and just bringing correction. And we misread some of the correction. We sometimes misread it as a sort of heavy rebuke, mm. whereas I think it was sometimes much more of a gentle steer than yeah. we, we give it credit for. So lastly, uh, uh, there's this... Um, do you, Do you have to be... How does your relationship with God then have to be if you are going to try and disciple others or teach others or be a witness to others? The word I'd use is growing. Great. It needs to be a growing relationship with God because if it's a living relationship, it will be developing. Mm. Um, there are some people who have a great relationship of God with God historically and they're sort of trying yeah. to build on that. You know, of course, I know this and I know that and the other. And, and God's this and God's that. But it's like, well, what is he to you right now? Yeah. You know, is he ministering to you in those kind of situations? And, and the kind of relationship you need with God is, has got to be absolutely real. Um, I mean, you know me well. You know that there are times when I'll talk to you and just say, actually, I'm finding this really difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's being real. Um, I'd far rather that, um, you know, than actually giving you the impression that I don't have areas where God has to be helping me through mm. because you need that living relationship with the Lord that's constantly growing, constantly developing. And, and funnily there. enough, that speaks louder than... Well, I don't know. <laughs> it but, does but, when people do it to me. But of course, yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. that's what you're saying. You know, te yeah. Teaching is so good, but actually living it. Yeah. And that put aside teaching. You yeah, know, and, and steering people. And, that and, together. and it, see, the interesting thing about Jesus, he could, have been, he could have been so separate from them, couldn't he? Yeah. You know, he could have had discipling that was done from a distance. Yeah. But he did discipling so close up that uh, it, it was really not even feeling like the servant-master relationship. Mm -hmm. It was friends. Mm -hmm. You know, we're friends. I call you friend. Now, some people make a big thing about that that's a covenant term when someone calls you friend and but hey come on it also just means friend yeah. and Jesus wasn't trying to say to them in some pompous way I have a covenant relationship with you so I'm just calling you friends you know because I like you we're getting on together we sort of rub along walk down the same path we do all of this together you know and that's the way it is and that's the way discipleship should be in my opinion that's great Hugh thanks very much that's all from us on uh, the last episode of this uh, if you're watching on what is it iTunes or Google Podcasts please leave us a review like it share it do all that YouTube subscribe and like and all that jazz shouldn't they Hugh definitely definitely <laughs> uh, but until next time thanks very much everyone and God bless <laughs>